Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler. My guest today is Sean Morris, the uh, former mayor of Cohoes. And we're here to talk about what's going on in Cohoes. So is there a lot happening that people should know about, Sean? Well, hello, Cynthia, and thank you for having me on again. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. Yeah, you know, like every other city, Cohoes, uh, it's got its problems, um, from what I understand. Uh, some of it I'm not so sure I agree with, but certainly there's been uh, a lot of announcements that the city's a million dollars in the hole, and, you know, the the city's going to save two and $300,000 by the music hall changes, and and uh, you know the fire department is uh, being cut down uh, one man a day uh, because of the enormous cost, and there's layoffs. But the reality is, you know, I really pray every day that the mayor of the city is successful and our city is successful because when you live there your whole life, you know, you know all the people there, and you want them to have a great life. But I, I think the city is starting to see some. Uh, issues related to the lack of experience of the person who now leads the city. And I don't say that because, you know, he took my place. I think it's just the reality of the situation. Everything from, you know, weeds growing control, uh, driving by our veterans Memorial park that we put so much time in to make that a living, breathing, beautiful Memorial with weeds growing all through the, the flowers, uh, homes that, that we had on the radar for years that were, uh, homes that were neglected with absentee landlords, and we put in new, strict, tougher laws, to, probably the toughest laws in the capital region to to protect our city and make sure that the, the good homeowners weren't uh, overrun by, you know, these absentee landlords. All those houses now you drive by, and they're, some of them you can't even see. Their weeds are, uh, you know, eight foot, nine foot high all through their house. It's, it's really terrible. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the downtown that we spent – millions and millions of dollars to, to um, turn into some type of, of uh, you know, uh, best downtown that you could possibly have and try to compete with our downtown versus any place else to make Cohoes a destination. You know, you see weeds growing all through the brand-new million-dollar sidewalks. And so it's kind of discouraging, and I think that's what you can expect from somebody who really doesn't have the experience in running a government and, uh, or a business. And uh, that, those are the things that I think a lot of citizens are seeing today. I, I, I still have a lot of people message me and call me and, and tell me when they see me on the streets how, how things have changed. And um, so, yeah, Cohoes is, is seeing its share of problems. So what's going on with the fire department? Well, you know, the fire department um, was informed uh, that the city was going to drop them from you know, uh, five guys a day down to four. Now, I, I remember when I was on the job, there was 13 of us a day, and then uh, got dropped down to eight, and then McDonald dropped us down to five. And now Keeler, who ironically promised them the world during the campaign, keeping firehouses open and building new firehouses and doing all these great things that you say when you're running a campaign, um, the first uh, move that he makes is to cut them down to four guys a day uh, to say that he needs to save on the overtime. And while I certainly understand that, I was a firefighter, and I understand, you know, I was the union president. I wrote a lot of their contracts. I have great benefits for them. Um, 
you know, there was a lot of other things I think the city could have done and, and failed to do, uh, knowing this pandemic was going to have a, uh, a, a fiscal impact that um, uh, the city just chose not to do, failed to do, didn't understand how to do it, whatever the reason is. Uh, so now they're looking and scrambling. Um, they laid off two people who are the probably two of the lowest paid people in the city, which is really, I think, in my heart, just uh, because they were strong supporters of mine, so he only lays those two people off. Um, I hope that's not the case, but why else would you just lay off the two uh, lowest paid people, you know, in the city? Uh, he's uh, bought motorcycles, and he replaced, you know, $20,000 worth of new signs that were brand new with new signs this year, and and so hundreds of thousands of dollars have been squandered on things that really didn't have great value to the citizens of the city. Um, and now he's scrambling to try to figure out how, how to keep the city afloat. And I think he's going to have himself in a, in, a, in a tough way. And I think the uh, citizens who didn't have to pay taxes for three years under my administration uh, and still wouldn't have been paying taxes if, if the economic development continued to prosper like we had in the pipeline. And I see some of those things being built right now that we had uh, negotiated two and three years ago. Uh, I think they're going to see big tax hikes and, and cuts and eventually what happens is you're paying more and getting less and that's, that's backwards. And so I hope that's not the case, but that's how I see it right now. But would you say this is happening all over because of the pandemic? Well, listen, certainly the pandemic has a big impact on the city and its finances, but, you know, a captain is uh, only a great captain when he can handle the ship in a storm, you know, and great leaders overcome these things. When I left the city, we had the biggest surplus in the city's history. In three years, we raised the city's surplus by $1.6 million. Um, we didn't raise taxes. We put more money in the rainy day fund. Well, it's raining now. And although you're seeing some loss in revenues, and I think they're over-exaggerated, and I think the, the savings at the music hall and all those things were certainly over-exaggerated, um, you know, you're going to have to uh, figure out how to use the money that you saved up. And that's why you save them up. And I, I don't know of any rainier day than the pandemic. And so I think if the city would have realized that there was an opportunity to use the federal government stimulus package uh, against the um, uh, expense of the city. And what I mean by that is there's a lot of employees that are, I think every employee is essential you shouldn't have them, but there's employees that do things like fire and police that you have to have every day. And there's other ones when the work's not coming in, they could have had a furlough program in the city where uh, they could have furloughed everybody who was in those positions where the work wasn't coming in because the city hall was locked down or, or there was uh, just no business coming in and they could have got more money or equally amount of money by uh, getting a couple days pay from the city and the $600 for the uh, pandemic. The city could have saved hundreds of thousands of dollars and been well positioned uh, to handle the loss of revenue. But instead, I think people were at work, sitting at their desks, not really doing anything because people weren't coming in. The residents weren't coming in. They were locked out of City Hall. So if you imagine you take 30 employees 
and you're only paying them two days a week, but the employee's not being hurt because they're making it up through the pandemic uh, federal stimulus, you continue to pay their health care, they're okay. They're, they're going to be fine, and the city would have saved a lot of money. But they chose to keep them on, and now they're scrambling to figure out how to pay everybody. So I think it was really a, an opportunity missed. Um, the, the music hall, that's been, that's been in, in the news lately. Even the fact this is a pandemic and not many people are going out, why is the music hall so important? Well, nation. listen, the, the, the reality is things are going to come back someday. And what you don't want to do is be in a position that I was in when we go over the city. Luckily, my uncle, who was the mayor, George Primo, had, had the wisdom to realize that that music hall had a great value. And he put a little money into it, the little bit of money they had. But here's the thing. You don't want a music hall that was closed for all intents and purposes, then reopened, turned into the best rated music hall in the capital region for small music venues to close again and lose all the momentum that you had because that music hall generates 25 to 30,000 people a year coming to our downtown. And, and without the music hall, we never would have been able to have all these new restaurants open. The reason we were able to convince people to come to our city and invest their money is because we have one strip called Remsen Street. All the restaurants and bars are on there except for some in the outskirts, which they have not really been uh, taken care of in the city during their plan. Um, and between 30,000 people on that one street, and then we had the Rock the Block with another 14, you're talking almost 50,000 people visiting our city on one street. The restaurants were able to, to prosper. Now with the music hall closed, I don't know when it will open up again, but all the shows that were booked, are they going to be canceled? All of the stuff that it takes to get it up and running is now going to be stagnant. They got rid of the person who turned it from a closed down music hall to a number one venue. They got rid of her and they took and had these phony bids because a year and a half ago, president Chris Briggs was having secret meetings that I know about with the guy who ended up getting the, uh, the bid, because Mr. Briggs didn't care about concerts. He cared about these, these shows and these performances, which are nice. They packed about 50% of the, 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 the seats for the year, but only brought in about 25 to 30% of the revenue. You have to have concerts. You have to have uh, comedians. You have to have a host of other things to make that operate. So the city has this, I call it a dog and pony show. They, they, they go through all of the, uh, you know, the um, proposals they get. They throw out the lady who turned it into a, a successful number one facility mentioned by people all across the, the country. And they hire the person that worked with her that we brought in and she brought in, Owen Smith, in the Park Playhouse to run the facility. And here's an ironic twist. The first thing that they do after they give the contract to Owen Smith is the mayor of the city calls up the person who was number third in the, in the pecking order and asks her if she'd like to come to work for Owen Smith because he's never ran concerts or anything else, and he's going to need help to try to figure that out. Well, why would you pick him to run the music hall if he's never had any of those 
experiences and doesn't have any clue how to do that. That's how the city operates. That's how it's run the last year. And, and I think it's, you know, soon people will actually see it start falling way back to the days um, that we all did not desire, the days of, of weeds in the sidewalks and Cahoes just becoming uh, an old mill town again. We had an uptick like you've never seen in the last 60, 70 years, and slowly it's going back down uh, uh, the tubes. And I, I'm not speaking from just me, but the enormous amount of people who contact me, email, message me, and tell me every time I see them how, how bad it's become. Slowly. It's only seven months, right, Sean? Well, you know, it, it was a couple months under Chris Briggs, who did absolutely nothing but sit in the seat and do whatever the, 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 the mayor, who was the incoming mayor, so he was really running the city for, you know, for uh, about a year now, even though he wasn't sitting in the seat, he was running it after I was gone. And then now it's seven months that he's actually been the mayor. So um, the decisions that are being made are poor. One of the things that was used in the campaign was that I politicized the police department and, you know, I don't know what that really means and what I ever did to do that other than one case where somebody said something was done, but that was just absolute nonsense. But since Mr. Keeler's taken over, um, we have seen several cops leave the department because they were threatened to have their rank taken away from them. We have seen uh, disciplinary matters that have been totally hidden from the public in the sense they were trying to cover them up uh, because there's a relationship there. Things that if I would have done, um, there would have been 65 stories in the newspaper, yet these things are happening. Uh, the, the department has been politicized more than it's ever been. Uh, and that was just a fancy word that Randy Kanifka gave him to use uh, in the campaign. But the reality is it's really happening now. So between the fire department, being cut, the police leaving the department because the way he treats them, the weeds growing like it's a jungle, the music hall going into the hands of somebody who's never even ran a music hall, no rock to block, you know, it, it's, it's sad. And uh, it shows the lack of experience uh, that Mr. Keeler has and his hit the ground running on day one uh, statement is really uh, kind of failed. And, uh, you know, but again, I pray for him. I hope that he can be successful. I hope he can overcome it. I hope he's learning on the job. But uh, unfortunately, it's not a job you should learn on the job. It should be something that you, you've had some experience with beforehand. So Cohoes is facing uh, some turbulent times, and uh, only time will tell where it heads from here. Kilo is a retired cop, right? So he well, you know, have- he... Go ahead. Listen, he, he's a retired uh, police officer. Uh, he's a retired major in the, in the state police. But the reality is he never dealt with anything dealing with community policing, city police departments. He was a pencil pusher. He spent most of his time doing administrative work and very little time actually overseeing, you know, the operations. Uh, you know, he, 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 he never made the budget. They would say, I made a budget. Well, the budget's made by the 
by the state, and you kind of just pencil in a few things. So, you know, this is a great example for everybody to, to pay attention. You can have a great title with a great job, and the perception is not really the reality of what you've done for all those years. And, again, he knows nothing about city policing. It's a lot different than, than being a state trooper. Uh, I have the greatest respect for him. I thank him for his service. I thank all of the police. The troopers are incredible at what they do. Um, and they have, you know, their, their investigators are probably some of the best in the world. Um, but when you're leading a city, there's a lot more to deal with than just a police department. And the police department is a lot different. You know, there's contracts, there's, there's, they're, they're smaller, but they have a lot more flexibility. There's not as much control from administration over them because of the strong union. Um, you know, the laws are, are apply differently between state police and, and uh, the, the city police in the way of collective bargaining. So there's a whole host of things that are different. I think he's recognizing the differences. I think he's hit a wall trying to understand how to deal with all this stuff. Um, but our goal here in the city of Cahos is to be the best that we can be. And, you know, maybe this is just a hiccup, uh, but I'm concerned with a lot of the administrative decisions that I see that are costing people and it's got to cost people jobs, increased taxes, less services. And, you know, do we, has Cahos seen its better days uh, or, or our best days to come? I don't know that answer, but uh, I know for the last three and a half years, those days were fantastic and a lot of great things were done in the city. Um, and uh, I hope that he can sustain them and figure it out. So how many new council members are there in Cahos? Well, there's six. There's six. You have, you have, you have Billy Smith, who has been a true champion for the people. He really is out there. When he sees something, he, uh, he, he's willing to fight against it if it's wrong and be the cheerleader if it's right. You got, you know, um, Mr. Briggs, who is the president, who really has been uh, a guy who just raises his hand and does not, uh, doesn't do a whole lot of, of anything. You have a couple of new guys that, you know, um, they're trying to figure out what their, you know, what their role is. Um, but, you know, when you have, you have a president of the city council that knows nothing really about government, um, who, who um, has no experience running anything other than being an employee of the city for, you know, 30 years, he's now in charge of the council in a, in, in a you know, $30 million corporation. That's, that in itself is a train wreck because if you don't have anybody with any governmental experience. So really what they've all become is a couple young guys trying to find their way. The ones that were on there just raised their hands and, and when their string is pulled, that's what they do. And Billy Smith has been the true voice. Uh, Adam Biggs is, uh, is a young guy. I think he's got to, you know, do, do well. Um, and I think everybody else who's new is just kind of, figure out what their role is and the other guys are kind of just political puppets. So the, the, so the uh, new people who are, you say are trying to figure out, you know, what to do and how to do it. Is there anybody counseling them? 
or are they just walking in the dark? Well, that's the problem. Uh, they, they get counseled by the puppets who are telling them, you do what you're told and you do this and you do that. There's nobody who really gives them any. Listen, it's a job where you either have to go in there and know you're your own man or your own woman. You vote your conscience. You stand by your principles. You work with the mayor the best you can. And, and when there's things that are, are inappropriate in your view that don't represent the best interest of the people you are elected to represent, then you got to speak out against it. And unfortunately, you know, in a small city like that, you don't really have those strong advocates. What you really end up having is the get along, go along. And, and, you know, that's just the nature of the job. The city's got a strong mayor form of government. The mayor's got a lot of power and he has a lot of influence. Um, some of those people on the council are great people. Some of them I, I'm not so fond of, uh, but, you know, Billy Smith has been a strong, outstanding advocate. Adam Biggs has been a, 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 a young guy who's, who's voiced his opinion. Outside of that, I think, you know, the, the other new guy's got, I think he's got to step it up and start being an independent voice. And, you know, the ones that were on there when I left are really just puppets and, and, and don't do a whole hell of a lot of anything. Well, that, you know, that's quite an indictment of the, you know, city government. Well, that's city government as a whole. I mean, I, I, again, people get in there. You, you know, you have to ask yourself this question. In government, government gets in the way of progress more than it's ever helped. And the policies and procedures and antiquated ways that it operates really hold back progress more than it, it excels progress. And, you know, for the city of Cohoes, it's a small city. And one of the things that happen in small cities is people don't get elected based on their qualifications and, and their message and their ability to deliver, you know, a great plan to the community. They get elected on how many people you know. You know, people every day just vote for the guy they like. And, you know, you wouldn't go to the hospital and have a guy that's a plumber uh, do open-heart surgery on you, right, just because he's a nice guy. You'd want to have the right. best and the brightest, making sure that he's going to take good care of you. Government has such a huge impact on people's lives, far more than they even know, I think, because they just go about their lives and they don't think about it. And so while they're going about their lives and not thinking about it, there's people in government that are controlling their lives. There's people in government that are making policies and procedures and, and a host of other uh, moves that have huge impacts on their lives. And they don't know it until they go and try to do something and go, wow, how did this happen? Why did this happen? And you've got people making those decisions that have no experience, and in, in the real world, in the outside world, they would not even be in those types of positions. You know, they would never, ever be a CEO of a millions-of-dollar corporation. Uh, there's millions of dollars being flown into that city, and people are in charge of it that wouldn't even be a manager in a small business somewhere because they don't have the necessary skills. And I'm not just saying to hoes. I'm saying that's government in all small cities, um, there's many great people in government. There's many great people in small cities. You look at Green Island, they've had nothing but incredible people. Ellen and Sean Ward and Cohoes has had nothing um, but a great share of people. But it's, uh, but it's also got people in charge I don't think are qualified, and, and the end result is catastrophic. And, uh, but that's government. 
And that's why government fails more than it succeeds. You know, with the pandemic and even before the pandemic, a lot of focus has been on national politics. You know, a lot of people don't like Trump. Some people do. And then we watch the cable network shows and they will watch it religiously. And, and, you know, that was was their so-called involvement in politics. Do you think that concentrating on national politics, um, people don't, don't know day-to-day operations on what's going on. In other words, people are constantly focusing on one thing when they should be focusing on another. Well, what I think really happens is people don't focus on a whole lot other than what's happening in their lives. And that's why, you know, there's a great saying that all politics is local. What really matters to you is if you're driving down the street and your tire gets blown out by a pothole, if your garbage is being picked up, if you call the police and they show up, if you have a fire, the fire department shows up, if you're sick, the ambulance shows up, if you want to take your kids to the park, it's cut, uh, the grass is cut, it's clean, it's safe, you want to swim in the pool, it's clean, you know, those are the things that matter to people uh, in their lives. I think in, you know, the, the national politics, I think why people are always struggling with what's going on is because uh, there's a few people, a few percentage that are really diehard, but the rest of them just catch a glimpse on the six o'clock news or hear something on the radio. They're not really paying attention to those national issues. I mean, you know, the federal government can't get out of its own way. Uh, So people are drawing their conclusions on, you know, social media and a five-minute clip on the news, and you know news is as biased as can be, right? They like you. They, 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 they speak like you're the king, and if they hate you, they, they just destroy you. And, right. you know, if there's four channels and three of them are destroying you and one of them is giving you all the props that you deserve, chances are, you know, you're going to be in trouble, and people ain't going to know all of the true facts. So I thought local government was always the best government I think having the ability to touch the people that, you live in, that live in the city, they can come to your office, they show up at your house, that's great government. That's great advocacy. You know, when you get into the state assembly and all those, it's worthless government. The cost to have a state assembly uh, is one of the biggest wastes of money in, in, in uh, New York State. I mean, they're useless. They don't do anything. And what they do do is just, you know, crazy stuff. Uh, and it's the same thing in the county government. I was in the county government. I, I enjoyed my time in the county government when I was there. There was a lot of great debate about things that really mattered, poverty and, and, and taking care of single mothers and trying to figure out how to take care of the seniors and trying to cure, uh, uh, you know, addiction. And, and, and it really had value. It was the social safety net. It was something of, of value that you could look at and say, we're really trying to make a difference. Now it's a, it's a dog and pony show. And, and, you know, you got 39 members of a legislature that um, tell you what kind of bag you can use and tell you what you can eat and tell you what time you can go out and how you tie your shoe. And, and, you know, it's just become too much on people. And, uh, and I think, you know, for the everyday citizen, they just want to get through this virus 
be able to sit down and go to a restaurant and not have to have a mask on, catch a Yankee game, go see a football game. That's what really matters to them. That's what I hear every day. That's what, you know, I'm, I'm no different. You're no different. I mean, we're not all that far apart from each other. I know that those are the things that matter to me. I want to go to a Yankee game. I want to go watch a football game. I want to go have a cold beer with my friend. And, uh, you know, I want to go out with my family and have dinner. Things you can't really do right now without this uncertainty of you're going to get sick, you know. I don't know if the virus is as bad as they say. You know, you just don't know what to believe anymore. Right. But, uh, but, you know, wear your mask and be safe. I invite anybody in the government of Cahos to contact me on Facebook, Cynthia Cooler, and I, w- I would really enjoy talking to everybody who's an elected official who wants to be on my show. So, Sean, thank you so much. It's been uh, wonderful talking with you. You've been listening to Sean Morris. This is Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Fuller. If you like this show, like us on Facebook. Sean, thanks. Have a great weekend. Cynthia, thank you. God bless Cahoes. I pray for them. I I hope they do an incredible job. I I hope the mayor does a a great job and and figures it out. Uh, So thanks for having me on the show. God bless. Okay. Bye.